was a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through Matrix on the 18th of August, 2008. Newcomers, I always advise to go into the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and download and listen to as many of the previous talks I've given as possible, because I try to give you shortcuts to understanding the big picture. And it's interesting to notice that many talk show hosts have changed the direction by going into these talks and has pieced things together for them too. So people can make a difference if you know what you're talking about. And that's the key to it, just not to be distracted by all the extraneous data out there. We're fed data continuously, an endless stream of it, and most of it is totally irrelevant or trivia. But if you've trained yourself to look at what's important and sniff out that which is important and falls in with a well-documented agenda, uh, then it helps to, to add to the picture and to tell you where we're all heading. And we are heading somewhere. That we're not going somewhere happenstance. Uh, don't ever believe that. Everything that's happening today was planned years ago by big think tanks and committees and special branches of government the world over in fact also look into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download in the various languages of Europe print them up and pass them around to your friends talking about data I can remember when I was really small looking through this massive newspaper and it was about it was written by the Futurist Society that was meeting at the same time as the Royal Institute of International Affairs when they were deciding back in the 60s, late 60s, who would be given the job of creating the world culture, should it be the British cultural industry or Hollywood. And it was in newspapers then that they decided that Hollywood would create the world culture coupled with music. They'd lead the field for music because it was a world culture that they were going for. So the Council on Foreign Relations, which is just the American branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, um, printed this up in the newspapers. But they also talked about the futurists and the futurist society, which they worked with closely. And supposedly by the year 2000, we were all going to wear Roman togas and walk around in this wonderful world where very few folk would have to work. And that's the kind of carrot they feed out to the public to make you optimistic, to think you're actually working towards something. And sure enough, you are. It's just that you never really are aware of the real agenda or the real road uh, that you're walking down. In World War I, H.G. Wells, who was a propagandist for the establishment, coined the term, the war to end all wars. And that was to, to get all the youngsters into the military, thinking that the world after World War I would be a utopia. It's always not about utopias, you see, down through history. And we find that in Moore's book as well, Utopia, worth reading. 
because the agenda isn't far removed from what he wrote about hundreds of years ago. You might understand that utopia, is, is, it depends what side of the fence you're, you're looking at it from, because utopia, from the elite's point of view, is a world where they can rest in peace, knowing they have a public who are so dumbed down and compliant, they needn't fear them. A public which will serve them and keep them in luxury forever. And that is the agenda. It still is today. Hasn't changed ever. All down through the centuries, tyrants hide behind huge armies to protect them from the peasants who might rise up at any time. I'll be back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the Matrix, this amazing, elaborate reality full of mazes in every room, each one a speciality which you fall into, and some people do, they go through one maze after another for their entire lives, and go from fad to fad, and persona to persona, always looking for something, but never quite sure what it is. And then there are a few who simply know everything is wrong. And they go on a search. And even they can go into various mazes because there's always the old stuff to fall back on. You think that if something's old, you can fall back to it and there must be truth there and find the way out of it, never realizing that the big organized systems and even the religions were kept, were meant to keep you in the maze. Hinduism is a great example of that, something that controlled millions of people for thousands of years and had them trained through religion to stay in their place, something that the British like to emulate. Mind your place, they used to say, to the different classes. Britain has a lot in common with the Brahmins of India. At least they lead to. And in India, they train people because of the religion that you couldn't move up the ladder into another caste system. You were fixed for life. And people were taught to accept that. It was the most perfected form of mental enslavement probably ever devised using a form of psychology and indoctrination. Today they're using sciences and scientific indoctrination coupled with other technologies and medicine too to try and get us all compliant and they've been pretty successful. And here is an article to give you an idea how these articles are written so that the, the subconscious mind just glances over it and you're indoctrinated without reasoning or, or critically thinking about the article itself and the other sides of the article. Because we're given handouts through magazines from the futurists to get us on the wrong track. But for, in a sense, it's the right track for them, but it's wrong for us because we work their agenda into reality, always. And this is from Live Science, 16th of July, 2008. The future of babies, artificial wombs, and pregnant grandmas. And the average person will read this and think, oh, how wonderful. Artificial wombs and experiments on human embryos grown in the lab will be commonplace and no big deal 
ethically in 30 years, several scientists predict. You know, scientists, it's like saying that several high priests predict because we're trained to believe in experts. We don't even have to name them. But remember, we know the agenda too, and we hear it thumped at us continually. There's too many of us. So why would they be saying this is going to be commonplace in 30 years when they want to reduce the population? That's called critical thinking. They envisage a scenario just like test tube babies, which shocked us 30 years ago, but are now fairly routine and acceptable to most people. Because we adapt quickly, right? We adapt. Plato said that. This is one of many predictions about the future of assisted reproduction and other baby-related medical advance. In a new special report making babies the next 30 years in the July 16th issue of the journal Nature. Here are some of the report's other predictions. Now, if you were to go out there and say, I've got a prediction, they'd lock you up in the loony bin, thinking you're some religious fanatic. But you realize that the high priests of science had simply replaced the old religions. And people swallow this stuff with more gullibility than they ever swallowed the old religions. Do you know that? That that's happening. That look at your friends around you. They'll parrot this stuff. Newborns and 100-year-old alike could have children. Infertility will be eradicated. Labs will be able to generate sperm and eggs for anybody. It doesn't say that they will, right? Human embryos were made from sperm and egg cells derived from pluripotent stem cells, the kind that can develop into any of the body's cell types. So they won't need male or female, you see. Think about that. And artificial wombs, think about that too. All you women out there who have fallen for all the feminist hype over the years, never realizing the real agenda behind it. Fetuses will freely float in artificial placentas or uteruses of fluid with umbilical cords attached to machines. This is straight out of Huxley's Brave New World, and he knew this back in the 1930s when he wrote the book. Genetic cassettes will be inserted at the embryonic stage to correct diseases such as Huntington's. Since embryos will be grown in labs, mutations to embryos could be corrected and improvements could be engineered. Yet there will be no designer babies because no single gene is that predictive of a perfect child. Now that part's partly true, but because I've read articles before, they're going to take a whole bunch of genes out to you to get the perfect child. And remember what their definition of perfect is. It's someone who serves the state without complaint, without even ability to think about a complaint. In vitro fertilization will become as cheap as $100. Well, in 30 years, you imagine which $100 is going to be worth. And available for women in developing countries, because they really care about women in developing countries. Uh, that's why they've been giving all these diseases and wars for years. And those who are socially shunned or harmed because they are infertile. Even if there is widespread availability of in vitro fertilization, it's unclear if people will choose it over the conventional approach. Sex, said Susanna Baruch, one of you related to old Bernard, Director of Reproduction Genetics at the Genetics and Public Policy Center at John Hopkins University in Washington, D.C. The old-fashioned way is cheaper and more fun, and that won't change in 30 years, she told Nature. Well, it already is changing, haven't you noticed? Haven't you noticed? I've had young guys 
tell me they've lost interest in sex by the time, even before they're 30 years of age. Something's happening. They're being bioengineered. And the inoculations and all the rest of it were all part of that. They're so far ahead in these sciences that what they're telling you here is old stuff. That's the trick of it. They keep you living in, in the past, technically speaking. Because they're always so, so far ahead that this stuff can all be done now. And more beyond this stuff. Other experts interviewed by Helen Pearson for the report included David Salter, development biologist at the Institute of Medical Biology in Singapore, Alan Trounson, in vitro fertilization pioneer and director of the California Institute for Regenerative Medicine, Alastair Sutcliffe, pediatrician who studies the health of children after in vitro fertilization at University College London. Now, why would he be doing that, studying, studying their health after in vitro fertilization? Well, it's because they've already been removing certain genes with in vitro fertilization from the very beginning. That's why. And they were pretty well got it down to a fine art. They know what kind of child is going to be produced. And they're amongst us and they're alive today. And some of them are being groomed for very high positions as very good, obedient psychopaths. It's an article, you can read all the other names to do with this and the different organizations that are all into this stuff. And it's all to do with the post-humanist agenda. Well-financed, incredibly well-financed, ongoing. And that's, this is the kind of garbage they feed the public. Old garbage. Repetition, 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 and it all seems quite natural to us. Meanwhile, we're going through the greatest tyranny, a world tyranny, with sciences that no ancient dictator or even Napoleon could ever have dreamed of beyond Adolf Hitler's wildest dream, or Lenin, or Stalin, or any of the rest of them. And the public think it's all quite natural because they can't bring themselves to that doorway that they have to jump through into reality. They can't believe that those that lead you are, are going to do you in, basically, and have been doing you in. Even though the signs are all around them, and they read the same stuff you and I read, but they don't think it through. And this is from the CBS 2 News called This Morning. WCBSTV.com And before I get into the story, this is the surrealistic way they, they present something that should terrify you. And they, they mix it with trivia and fantasy. Because at the top of the page... It's got Think You Know Your Movie Lines, trivia, you see. World's Greatest Fighter Jets, War, Best Movie Bloopers, People's 100 Most Beautiful People of 1908 to 2008, Interesting Baby Names. Then underneath it, it's got August the 12th, 2008, NYPD's Operation Sentinel to track everything. Now, they used this technique in Britain when they had the Depression, and it was a depression from the 70s onwards for about 10, 15 years, the International Monetary Fund came in and was in charge of Britain during Thatcher's reign. The British people weren't told that till she was out of office. 
And they, when factories were closing down and moving out the country and the public weren't being told what was going on, all you saw was a misery. They gave you, you turn on the television and your favorite comedies would be on and the news would, go, would never mention uh, the, the fallout, the drastic fallout in society, what was happening. They would just tell you this factory was closing, that factory was closing, so on and so on. So every day, for years. And a welfare state was created, but to watch television, it was a different world. So people were kept in this strange, surrealistic state all through this. And here it's presented to you the same way. Radiation sensors, surveillance cameras used to screen and follow every vehicle entering lower Manhattan. They're calling it a ring of steel. And we'll be back with more of this ring of steel after these messages. Hi, I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And I'm reading an article about how tyranny is put over the people. Men always disguised as for your own good. But that's what you do with children, or perpetual children. Parents tell them it's for their own good. You don't have to understand. Just accept it. And it, unfortunately, it works for most folk. But it's from the CBS 2 News also from WCBSTV.com, August 12, 2008, by Marcia Kramer. It says, radiation sensors, surveillance cameras used to screen and follow every vehicle entering lower Manhattan. And that's just the start of it, the vehicle part. It says, plan aims to provide security blanket against terrorist attack. It's called Operation Sentinel. And it proves just how far the NYPD will go to protect the city from terrorists. Now, that's such a vague word, isn't it? Terrorist. It's not, it's not like the Reds under the beds or, or anything like that. It's just terrorist, you see. And re- repetition, 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 as Russell said, and the public accepts it. But what is a terrorist? Do you realize that terrorism is being redefined every week to include more and more? If you don't pay your taxes, you're down, you're down under Homeland Security. It's a financial terrorist. So the plan involves some high-tech tracking that is coming under fire from some groups. New York City is going to create lens to make sure that bomb-toting terrorists can't reach us. New York City is something special, Mayor Michael Bloomberg said Tuesday. It's not just a very big city in this world. It is, in many senses, the iconic city. It represents Western democracy. And what a joke that is. What a joke that is. But we don't have democracy. If a democracy would have a say in this. I can remember when when the Congress was told by Bush, when they were given this, I don't know if it was 10,000 page report or whatever for, for Homeland Security, the Patriot Act, just, just, just vote on it. Accept it. Don't read it. If you read it, it's unpatriotic. So, the, so all but three agreed. That's quite amazing, isn't it? It tells you what you've got in there, mind you, because psychopaths gravitate into politics. What's the point of having democracy if your representative can't represent you? It's all a big farce, isn't it? And what is New York City? What is it? The financial empire, the capital for the planet for loaning money and running big business and marketing and all the rest of it. 
Why did they call it the Empire State? Huh? What empire are they talking about? It's a world empire. As part of the plan, the NYPD is creating a huge buffer zone, working with cops in a 50-mile radius of the city. Officials in New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and Long Island are given radiation detectors to stop terrorists as far away from New York City as possible. Lots of planes flying over with these detectors, and God knows what kind of energies are using on the public as they cross over. Police also plan to track every vehicle that enters Manhattan. We're going to be addressing cameras or adding cameras as we go forward, NYPD Commissioner Ray Kelly said. That part of that plan calls for photographing and scanning license plates of cars and trucks at all bridges and tunnels. Even small ones like the Wills Avenue Bridge will also be used to detect radiation. Now, why would it be just radiation? And who's all getting cuts out and, and kickbacks for all this technology that's in use for the scientific dictatorship? Because they're all getting their cuts, you know. And you know that the chiefs, the chief of police belongs to the, the, the World Police Chief Association. And they are registered at the United Nations. And they have their own magazines and everything tell them what the agenda is for their part in it. So does he serve you? No. Do they get kickbacks? Ask them. Good luck if you get an answer. I don't think it's hyperbole to call this big brotherish, said Christopher Dunn of the New York Civil Liberties Union. The New York City Police Department is creating a huge computer database of the movement of everyone in a vehicle in Manhattan, but they also do facial scans through the windshield as well. That's been in the paper for 10 years. Civil libertarians take issue with one aspect of the plan. Data on each vehicle entering Manhattan would be stored for at least one month. Come on, that's going to be forever. Bloomberg, however, defended the idea. It's always a balance between freedoms to come and go between civil liberties and security. Really? Is that really true? And I think we pretty much have the balance pretty much right, Bloomberg said. As they go forward, taking more and more rights away. This is a balance. We can have balance. I think it's rigged at one end. The reaction of New Yorkers, CBS 2 HD, spoke to were mixed. I guess I would feel safer in light of everything that happened, said Tavis Rivera of Richwood, New Jersey. The city has been under a lot of pressure and all that stuff. That's called linguistic minimalism. It's a violation. I mean, it's ridiculous, said Shardy Hill of Teaneck, New Jersey. I don't know, I don't know what everyone, everyone or someone knowing where I am 24 hours a day. Well, if you're democratic, speak your mind, eh? The city also intends on putting lower Manhattan in a so-called ring of steel with 3,000 public and private security cameras below Canal Street with 600 cops assigned to protect ground zero. And on and on it goes, and we're getting so used to this as we adapt and adapt and adapt into our manacles. The most folk will probably like the pretty manacles, especially if they make them Gucci or give them nice colors. That's the way most folk are. And Skinner said, to change people, you alter their environment, they adapt to it into a new system. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And as I say, what a matrix it is, it's all in the presentation and how we're, we're trained to read articles and not to think critically about what we're reading. Meanwhile, we're being downloaded with ideas that over time seem quite sensible to us simply because they're familiar to us. And that's called predictive programming. It works with most people who are never truly conscious and it dawns them to have an opinion of their own on these articles. And they do like the good bits. They say they're going to get life extension or all the rest of it. And they fall for it all. And they're the last people to go into the history books or even look into the companies or organizations that are mandating all of these changes to find out what their agendas are. It's, all, it's amazing. But socialism is perpetual childhood, remember. And that's what we have, people who are perpetually children. There are people who really want this post-humanist agenda, thinking somehow they're going to be chosen to go through it. And big bucks will be spent on them so they can play in a virtual reality and do all this stuff and have little magical powers. Only be signs that will give it to them. They might have certain powers, but it's probably working in a quarry and tossing 10-ton boulders up a hill or something. And they'll have no brain to be unhappy with that's what it will be. And we'll go to the phones, and we've got Roberto in New York. Are you there, Roberto? Hello. Hello. Alan? Yes. Yes, hi, how you doing? Um, I just wanted to call in and uh, ask you a personal question about, um, I know I've heard you say before in the past that, uh, and, uh, you know, plenty of elites have said it before, that uh, with the system in place that we never really vote for anybody. We always vote for who they want us to vote for. Now, um, through my research on the Internet, I've, I've discovered, um, I don't know, I can't confirm this, but there are uh, a bunch of rumors going around that Ron Paul has a wife who was a member of the Order of the Eastern Star. His daughters are Rainbow Girls, which is pretty much a recruitment, I guess, for the Order of the Eastern Star. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Do you think it was possible that we've been conned into, because you've noticed the whole reluctance to not say anything about 9-11 and how he pretty much, uh, you know, didn't do anything after uh, we donated $6 million to him and kind of gave up. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion, sir? Well, I know that people who are lifers in, in politics uh, generally are in a branch of Freemasonry. That's almost mandatory. In fact, it pretty well is mandatory. It's suggested that you join Even at the lowest level, when they're starting off doing all the little charity work and these little associations, they're told to join to get into politics. Um, So, so I wouldn't surprise me in the least um, at all. And of course, if the the daughters are brought up as as the Rainbow Girls and all the rest of it, then they're definitely part of a system. And so is the wife, you know. So the, the rainbow, if it's true that his daughters are rainbow girls, wouldn't they have to be adult daughters of Masons to get in that, uh, I guess? Yeah, 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 yeah. They'll be daughters of Masons, yeah. Okay, and just one last thing, Alan. Um, I, I don't know if you've talked about the Baha'i faith in, in, your, in your show in the past, but uh, I called them and, and actually, uh, you know, kind of recorded a conversation I had to them where the representative in the United Nations office was telling me that, um, they want to establish a global governance system um, and also a complete world language and a complete uh, world system of currency. Have you heard anything about the Baha'is at all? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the only religion that the United Nations 
promote. Uh, that's what they claim. That's what they claim. But in the United Nations building, they have a meditation room where a lot of the elites go in. And they brought in, I think, from India, a huge jade boulder stone. They always have a black rock. You'll see the same in Mecca. There's a black stone in the Kaaba at Mecca. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is traditional done through the ages. The ancient emperors in Rome, when they were being coronated, uh, had to walk backwards into an arena and pulled on a, a cart was their personal family black rock. And so there's another religion behind this, but for the general public, they want them to accept the Baha'i, where there's no real rights or wrongs. Once again, it's this, it's this standardization-type religion will all be equally politically correct and updatable uh, as the time requires. There's no real rights and wrongs. It's kind of moral, moral relativism. It's all mixed in there. And uh, it's the, the big melting pot idea, too, which in theory it would be fine if people would just get along, but it doesn't work too well uh, in reality. So, and, and the Baha'i faith, too, is a, a fairly recently created religion, created by a guy who wanted a universal religion out of India. Now, back in the 1800s, they were talking about that at the, uh, the Cecil Rhodes Institute, creating a world religion. And Blavatsky, too, talked about uh, blending Hinduism and forms or, or parts of Hinduism with Christianity for the new world religion. And we have Gorbachev talking about uh, an earth-based worship-type religion. This is all part of it, and, and the Baha'i is the one they've chosen. Yeah. Uh, have you ever, Alan, read a book called Dune by Frank Herbert? Where yes. Yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting because they have a pretty much a, I guess, a vision of the future in the distant, distant future, I guess, where all the religions are merged and, I guess, planets, whole planets are controlled by uh, noble houses, nobility, and, and this and that. Now, is this what they really want in, in the, I guess, extreme, extreme end of things? In a sense, it's already here. When they gave us democracy, it was to stop us having revolutions every few years. And that was the only reason we were given this farce, this, this con game of democracy. And really, you've been uh, ruled by private organizations for the last couple of hundred years and big foundations on behalf of royalty. Margaret Thatcher admitted that it, when she was given her global tour, and it was entitled The New World Order, this, this tour. And she said that we form a parallel government that is not responsible to the general public Therefore, we can get things done quickly in a hurry without the interference or objections of different competing groups. And that's also in the Charter of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They also say that, plus the Club of Rome says the same thing, that democracy is simply too much of a time waster. There's too many competing groups, and therefore they have to have this side group that really runs the world. Carol Quigley in Tragedy Hope backs that up when he talks about the Council on Foreign Relations which is the American branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and he said that its job was to wield the real power. And he says even though many of those behind the scenes who, who are real movers and shakers don't get public acclaim, they're not in the limelight, they wield the real power where the politician is the front man and he gets the applause. So uh, that's how it really is. So the, the goal was always to get the public to accept being dominated by an elite in between us and the public, they've given us a scientific dictatorship. So under the guise of science, the elite get exactly what they want because the public are, are being taught 
to listen to experts and follow the experts. But it's the same old agenda. Uh, allow yourselves to be managed. Accept the fact that there are, there are people who are better than you and special, and, and just accept that. That's where we're, what all this is about, getting us to comply by acceptance that we're just dumb and stupid and we're not too bright. Thanks a lot, Alan. Uh, I guess I'll hang up now. Um, uh, you have a good night. Uh, you too. Thanks. And there's Dave from California. Are you there, Dave? Hi, Alan. How are you doing today? I'm um, going through my usual thunderstorm, my daily one here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're so far ahead of, of uh, most of us on this stuff, probably just about all of us. But uh, do you even find yourself being shocked nowadays at how much of this stuff is just right in our face? No, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm never shocked. In fact, I'm never surprised <laughs> because you eventually, by studying these characters for many years, know what they must do next in, in each different area, and they, they follow it exactly that that manner. You know how the elite view the public and how the public uh, accept things, and so you can you can actually you can actually write the same articles yourself and put them in a file. And when they bring out their article for the public, it's pretty well identical. <laughs> well, the, uh, I had a thought a while back that uh, sort of is stuck in my head, and it's it's uh, it's a shocking thought to me. And that is, uh, speaking of authorized uh, people and and uh, predictive programming, uh, what do you think about uh, some of the stuff that H.P. Lovecraft wrote about, setting aside the Elder Gods and Cthulhu and all that? And, just talking mm-hmm. about the, these gigantic cults of inbred weird people killing babies and doing all these strange rituals and giant temples. It's like everything the guy wrote about except for, you know, having some monster appear from another dimension seems to be happening. Just wondering yeah. if he was one of those authors. Yeah, there's no doubt that these people are, are certainly coached and taught very old stuff, occultic material, which they can then wrap into stories which seem exciting to the people who read the novels. And again, it's predictive programming. But really, all these things are really based on ancient religions to do with demonology, something that isn't studied today. It's out of favor because it's too old-fashioned. However, even your sci-fis take a lot of their stories from ancient stories of, of demonology. And... When you understand that, you understand there's an there's a incredible intelligence behind the methods that they use to to put it in our face through novels and so on. But they, they do have access to ancient um, texts from different ancient countries, and they, they wrap this into their stories. They never mention that fact that this is ancient stuff, but but it really truly is. And because they they, they literally follow it to the letter. In other words, they stick to the right formulas. They don't take the ancient stories and, and completely disrupt them or add things to them. It tells you that they take the stories seriously themselves. Uh, they don't break them or alter them too much, which is kind of interesting to me. And a lot of stories and movies, they will follow. It's like eyes wide shut. They follow uh, the occultic ritualistic scenes so well where they didn't have to. The general public wouldn't know. But they do follow... Uh, stuff so to the, much to the letter, and you say, well, why did why must they follow this to the letter, even for a movie, when the public would be just as, just as, as happy with any other little bits added to it, the real stuff taken out? Um, it's because they must stick to the formulas. These are ancient formulas that they're showing you. There's a, a religion behind all of this, 
we have to understand there, there truly is a religion, a very high occultic religion, which is ancient, uh, behind all of this movement that we see today. And only in the ancient texts of, of um, Sumer even, uh, and Acadia, uh, and on and on into Persia, and then into the various other Middle Eastern countries, only in, within those do you, do you get the, the roots of the religion that's actually being practiced here uh, with even the agenda. And you can cross over into India, and you'll, you'll, you couple it with India, and then you have the completeness of it, because they talk about the ages and how they must um, eradicate inferior types to cross into a new age, something that Darwin simply reworded and said that inferior types must perish because they'd bring down the superior as we go through evolution. It's all the same religion under many guises, but these characters involved know that this is a religion. If you were going to, to pick one text that would, you know, re re relatively succinctly lay out what this religion is that they're looking at, what would you recommend? Uh, you'd have to go into even the texts. What the easiest ones to go through, which give you lots of allegories if you can fathom them, that are really so well done, is probably the, the Greek text in the mythological series. Uh, there's so much in there to do with with this agenda, even, uh, that it's pretty staggering. Right down to making the cyborg. It's written in a different form, but it's a cyborg. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Alan. Uh, thanks for calling. Nice talking to you. Now I've got Tim from British Columbia. Are you there, Tim? Hi, Alan. Hi. Hi. Yeah, I just called in to uh, give you a plug. Um, just all the people who uh, listen and and don't donate just to show some appreciation and even give like five or ten bucks uh, per month and just in respect of uh, possible food shortages coming up so everybody's got so even you've got some some cash to store up some food and stuff like that if if it really does come down to that this fall and stuff yeah, yeah. yeah I appreciate that yeah, yeah because because it will and people should even go to the bulk stores and, and, and stock up with the, the, the various bean mixes and soup mixes and all the rest of it to get them yeah. through and, and do it now when you can still buy it because uh, you can't get it when, the, when, the, when it hits the fan you won't be able to get anything yeah, I, uh, last night I was reading up on the Iowa flood that happened just earlier this summer and Iowa turns out that it's the number one corn producer state yeah. in, in uh, the U.S. And it affected something like uh, oh, something like 16% of, I don't know if it's 16% of the corn in Iowa or in all of the states, but that's, that's quite a bit. That's, mm -hmm. And it also affected like just millions of, of acres of uh, soybean too. I mean, not that that's the good stuff, but I mean, mm -hmm. they still use that in all the food, right? But. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's coming down, and and even Ontario here, we've literally we've had, except for two days, we've had rain right through June, July, into August, two days of sunshine, and thunderstorms and rain daily. It's like clockwork, and lots of spraying in the skies. And I'm telling you, until we can get them to stop spraying the skies, it's game over. Yeah. Because this is weather warfare. 
this is complete weather warfare, um, which they say in their own writings, and I've read them from the, the Air Force, uh, U.S. Air Force, they say that this makes the atom bomb obsolete. Yeah. And it, it is, I mean, and it's beyond scattering silver iodide or in the air, this is this is barium and and uh, um, various kinds of of aluminum uh, salts and, and metals. Yeah, uh, this is the whole getting yeah. coupled with harp. And we we'll see what they've done to the bread basket of Canada for the last few years. You know, and I think every 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 potato farmer here is is kaput this year. So the the spuds are going to be very expensive and brought in from somewhere else. Have you gotten a lot of emails from uh, farmers in Canada and the states, just saying how how everything's just ruined? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's what you do in warfare. You go for the breadbasket. And last week I looked at the satellite image from the NOAA website, and be careful of them too. They put a little tracker on you. Whenever you go in there, they put a tracker in from the government yeah. on your computer. But they showed you this massive uh, cloud cover. And it was just like a, it, was, it looked like a, a hurricane looks around Ontario and around the Midwest of the U.S. Uh, there was two of them. It was, just, it was right over the, the, the food producing areas, uh, like this massive circular whirlpool type deal with clouds. And I saw them creating storms. I, I watched them every morning when they're creating a storm. Yeah. Planes going back and forth, massive chemical spray, and there you go. All right. Thanks a lot, Alan. Thanks for calling. I'll be back after this break. Hi, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And we've got Justin in the UK there. Are you there, Justin? Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm surviving here. Yeah, Yeah, I think, uh, once again, I'm calling from a very... uh wet whales, same as uh, your experience in Canada all summer, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's been very wet again, barely any days of summer at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, since we're at the, near the end of the show, I wanted to refer back to a website you had mentioned uh, maybe about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, to do with, um, with that Cyberspace and Information Operations Study Center mm-hmm. with perception management and reality augmentation yeah and how of course it all ties in well it all stems really mm-hmm. from as you as you would know plato's allegory of the cave that's right i guess and how everything today it's amazing is perception well not everything but they are managing perception mm-hmm. the they, they even had it I mean. they even mentioned that at the top of the article from the air force college they yeah. suggested the guys read plato's republic and plato's cave yeah yeah but of course, it all ties in once again to, um, I know you don't like discussing the films, but it all purely ties in to uh, the Matrix films and how the Matrix is mm-hmm. just... And they also, the, the Air the Force also used, uh, said that their students should also study the Matrix movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's truly amazing. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, mean, um, I mean, basically, what is that film saying? I mean, it is just Plato's Cave, and of course, the whole trilogy ends and mirrors exactly essentially what happens in plato's allegory that's right how he's returned to the darkness to the land of the profane mm-hmm. and dies there i mean the whole thing is about how the status quo is maintained yes so really i guess the matrix films 
is basically re reinforcing the notion that you cannot beat the system, at least yeah. according to their... And if you look at all of the groups and institutions, think tanks and government departments and special services like, like uh, you know, CIA that participated in the making of that movie, it's got one of the longest trailers at the end with all the names and departments on it than any movie ever made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, truly amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd quite, quite possibly be writing an article soon for a website and researching it, so... Uh, I'll let you know if that actually comes out. Yes. Um, actually, I wanted to make a quick uh, aside onto a separate subject, even though this one is a fascinating one. I've recently read, not so long ago, um, Andrew Lobogzewski's Political Ponerology. Yes. Have you, have you read the book at all? Yeah, I, I've read parts from, on the air from the book, in fact. Right. And I, 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 I didn't, push sorry, it I didn't actually um, listen to those shows. Mm -hmm. I've only been listening for about the past four months. But it's quite fascinating what he vaguely alludes to in the end about um, eugenic morality in the managing of mm -hmm. these pathological individuals. Yeah. I mean, what is your opinion on what he's trying, what he's actually trying to say there? What is he? Mm. What you have to realize, what you have to realize that he himself was brought up in communist countries with the Marxist philosophy and again um, an evolutionary point of view. So his excuse, answer to the psychopath is to basically monitor everyone's eugenics. So, so he, he ends up in the same path. Yeah. Um, and it would be the same outcome. Uh, we can't go into that area at all. That's the problem with it. That's what uh, I thought. So, so his solution is actually the problem. Wise men and everything he mentions in the end is yeah. turning to the system yeah. that spawned the oppression he, he suffered. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. But still an amazing book. It's an essential yeah. read, I guess. But thanks for calling. That's the end of the show there, Jason. Justin. Okay, thank you, Alan. And call again. From myself and Hamish up in Awet, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods. Go with you.